My name is Samantha Lane, founder of Origami Day. And if you want to learn to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am super excited to bring to you an interview this week with Samantha Lane. Samantha Lane is a time management guru with past work in public relations, higher education, and wellness. In 2014, she experienced a life-changing surgery that shifted her perspective on life. After years of juggling full-time careers and passion-based side hustles, Samantha started Origami Day to help others bring balance to their busy lives. Samantha holds a BS degree in public relations from the University of Tennessee and an MBA from King University. When she's not helping others make the most of their time, Samantha spends her days enjoying life with her loved ones. Samantha and I really dug into success and measuring success on a daily rather than a lifetime or monthly or annual measure, which was something that was really interesting for me. Origami Day is about creating these planners and a new way for time management that Samantha really digs into in this episode. And for somebody who talks about success so much like I do on this podcast, having it redefined in a daily accountability or a daily determination was something that was totally different and I loved so much. So I am super excited for you to dig into this episode with Samantha. Before we do that, I want to take just a minute to invite you over to the More Than Corporate community on Facebook. This is an amazing place to go in order to connect with people who are trying to live their best life, to also get tips and information from me on resources that I've used and information that I've learned over the last few years. It is a free Facebook group and it's a way for you to really make sure that you're being held in the right mindset, you know, an accountability from a group of people that are all just trying to live their best life. Head over Facebook, search for More Than Corporate Community, and click that Request to Join button. There are a few questions for you to answer, and then we'll go ahead and let you in on all of the fun and start um, networking and getting to know you more. So I am super excited to connect with you, and I look forward to meeting you and learning more about you. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Samantha. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to dig into your story. I know that the idea of working this corporate nine to five and figuring out that that's not your project or your passion project is something that resonates well with you. And we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, Let's go ahead and step way back though and look at what it was like for you growing up and what you thought your life was going to be like when you were making plans for your future as a kid. Yeah. So I I think that's so fun to think about because sometimes we probably don't think enough about that in our day to day. We get so busy just adulting that we don't remember what it was like to be a child. And so I love that challenge to think back about what what that was. And I can tell you, uh, for as long as I can remember, and my family will probably verify this, 
um, I'm a very realistic optimist and I've always been a planner and I've always been someone who's very organized and pragmatic. And I didn't know then that where I would be now, but in hindsight, it all makes complete sense. Um, I was very lucky to grow up with, you know, your typical middle-class family. My father was in the military. We moved every year growing up. I have two sisters on the middle child and it was just sort of a, you know, a very, very good life. Um, until when I was 11 years old, my father passed away and that was a big change for me. But in hindsight, again, it was a really good experience because it changed my life trajectory in a way that uh, really forced me to grow into the person that I am today. I love that so much. And I can totally relate to that. I lost my dad at 19 and I feel like I say the same thing. Like it, it changes and you don't realize it in the moment, but when we have these challenges to step back and think about what made a difference in our lives, that's a huge thing that changes our trajectory. For sure. Okay. So, um, did you have an idea, like let's go high school age. Did you have an idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Yes. I did. I wanted to be a veterinarian and it was my dream. I was that typical little girl who just loved animals and I wanted to help all the animals. Um, but what I learned as I got older, especially really at college, it took college for me to realize that I'm not good at science, unfortunately. And so you can have passion, but if your skills don't line up, it's, uh, it's a little bit challenging. So I ended up doing this great exploratory course that sort of taught me more about who I am as a person, what my passions were outside of that, and what my natural skills were. And that moved me into a completely different direction, which is a career I didn't even know existed. And what was that career? So I ended up going to school for public relations and started out working in video production and advertising and worked in the creative industry for a while and loved that. And, um, it was, it was not what I, what I expected, but it was great. <laughs> and then ended up working for a while too in higher ed. So not things I ever thought I'd do as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, higher education, wow, that's, um, ambitious. I'm always, um, pretty impressed with anybody who has the patience to do any kind of teaching at all. Yeah. So thankfully I was not on the teaching side, but just being in it at all, I said repeatedly, there are three areas that I've learned in life that I would never want to work in, um, education, healthcare, and politics. So I now try to stay far, far away from all three of those. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you on all of that. I think that um, there's a part of me that could teach like um, college kids because you don't have to be there, but anything under that, I, I'm out for sure. Um, so you spent a significant amount of time in, was it the, the HR public relations field? Is that right? Public relations. So anything that kind of touched marketing and PR was really my, my jam before I started my own business. And what were your favorite things about doing that job? Honestly, I think I realized that the consistency, a lot of people would say, oh, interpersonal working with people. But really what I think about the common thread, because I also worked for a long time in a personal training role. Um, and so that was like really like a passion based side hustle. Um, but a lot of the connections with my past and employment all was just helping people. And I didn't, I'm kind of a low emotion person. So I, I never really, because I don't wear my heart on my sleeve, I don't really think of myself as someone who, who helps people. But when I really think back on my life, that, that was the common thread is I was trying to help people reach a goal, whether it was 
fitness or going back to school or finding the right way to sell their product. I really, my, my, I guess my passion was always helping people find a solution. You know, that makes complete sense to me knowing kind of what you're doing now with your business. And so um, we were actually, before we came on the air, just talking about my scheduling challenges, which my staff can completely understand if they end up listening to this. Um, so what is your current business and what, let's tell a little, um, everybody a little bit about that. Yeah. So now what I do um, is I actually run a time management and work-life balance business. So I teach people how to make important and meaningful and simple life changes to make the most of their days, um, to be present in their lives while still being productive. So this idea of um, this theme in your life being that you really like to help people. For me, I think that that really comes through in what you do now, because this idea of time management is so important to everybody, no matter what area you're in, in life. Yeah, I, I believe I actually just finished an amazing book today uh, called When by Daniel H. Pink. And the big theme of that book was the importance of time. And uh, when you really even look at the word time in the English language, it is one of the most versatile and most used words. It is, I believe, the official most used noun in the English language. So it's, it's something we all struggle with. And I think um, as we move forward as a society, we put even more and more of an emphasis on time, but I think we get farther and farther from um, managing it well. Absolutely. And I feel like um, there's a big misperception um, about the difference between time management and attention management. Um, what is your opinion on that? Absolutely. Oh, yes. So I think time management is, it incorporates probably attention management as well as energy management. Um, I think time management encompasses a lot of things. Um, so I, I think part of attention management can be addressed with time management tactics, but I think they are very different things for sure. So what was it that made you decide that it was time for you to go ahead and open your own business? Um, you were, you were in this PR field or this PR world and enjoying that. Um, so what led you to opening your own business? Yeah. So it's kind of a crazy story. Um, when in back in 2014, I was only 29 years old and I ended up having to have my chest cut open and it was a planned surgery to fix a chest wall deformity that, um, left my sternum sitting on my heart and made it very difficult for me to breathe. And so it was another side lesson in that was the importance of being our own advocate, especially in terms of our health. Um, so uh, with the information I had, it made sense for me to undergo the surgery. So I planned to be out of commission for, um, a month, but what I couldn't have planned for was all the complications. And I just, I had a lot of them. So 12, like four weeks post-surgery when I was supposed to be back at work, I still couldn't drive or wash my own hair. Uh, six weeks post-surgery, I was unable to use my left arm for reasons we still don't understand, but thankfully I've gotten almost full range of motion back. And, um, you know, several months after the surgery, I was still battling, um, issues from a, a staph infection in my chest. So it was, it was a really wild experience. Um, but it was such a blessing in disguise because it helped me realize that my time was so important and I was pretty much a workaholic at the time too. So it was a kick in the butt that I really needed. And it made me realize that, um, our days are fleeting and time is the most finite resource we have. We have no idea how much we have. And, 
it is important for us to live our lives. So that's where it started me on this, this path of, okay, if I know I want to live my life and I know I married a fireman, so I have to work forever, how do I do them both? And so that's where it got me really down the road in learning more and more about time management, about personal productivity, about efficiency and about boundaries. And ultimately I found success. People saw the success. They asked me for help and and I felt that it was mean to, to keep it to myself. I felt that it was my obligation to share it. I love, I love that so much. So as far as um, your business is concerned, did you immediately start? Because um, you said that you had always been a planner, right? Yeah. Okay. So did you immediately start um, promoting yourself as, you know, teaching these time techniques? Or was there something that said, oh my gosh, this is something that I know that other people don't know and I can help them with this? Uh, so that's a really funny question too, because I never planned to start a business even. So sort of the trajectory was that I solved my own problem and really it started with two products that I created. Um, one being a folding piece of paper that was a weekly planning sheet, hence why the name is one of the reasons why the name is Origami Day. And the other was a planner because I really struggled looking for tools in a planner on the market that could help me. And I felt that none of the, the products were doing me justice. They, they couldn't do what I needed. And so I ultimately started creating my own tools. So I used my tools for probably three years before I actually officially started the business. And um, it really was in the beginning product centric. And I just thought, this works out. I'm going to sell um, these products because they're also not time for money, which was part of what I learned is a good way to have balance. Um, but what I realized too is the business and my passion is so much more than just product that I want to spark a culture shift and that we have all spent years um, moving in this direction of imbalance. And it's going to take a little bit more than just pulling a planner off a shelf to know how to move back. And that's sort of where the services came in. I started teaching workshops and working with people individually. And then over time, um, and in the beginning, I never talked about why I started the business. I never mentioned, oh, I had my chest cut open. And then over time, people started to say, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And the story somehow helped people. So that's when I started sharing that more um, as a speaker and going into corporations and telling this story and helping them you know, teach their teams. And so it, it was very much an evolution, but That's started with the products, <laughs> started with the products. And then you found the service. The reason I ask is because I think there are so many people who listen to this podcast and other podcasts in the entrepreneurial space that have this skill like time management that, um, or, or whatever that skill is that they don't realize can be profitable because we kind of just think when we're in our, our own little head, we think everybody knows how to do this. Like, this is just normal. And we don't realize how many people could really benefit from our knowledge. Yes, I could not agree more. And what helped me was honestly, I plugged into my local entrepreneurial community and I actually entered a contest when my business was not a business. It was just an idea and I pitched it and I tried to win $10,000 and I didn't win. But over the course of that pitch competition, I was connected with people who believed in me and supported me and said, Hey girl, you have something that you should be sharing. And that was a really, really good boost. And even from, from then to now, it's still really hard to have that self-confidence at times. And I, and I really, I, I can't say enough that if someone is, is feeling called for something, even if they, they don't know what exactly their their path is going to be if there is a pull in you to do something that's a pull to follow because one of the most important things i've learned as as a 
business owner is you have to want to run your business. If you don't have a passion for it, don't even go down that road. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is um, really difficult to, I mean, as an attorney, I love practicing law, never wanted to own my own business. And what you just said hits home so much because there's so many times that I either have to invest my time to learn it or my money to pay somebody to do it. But even when you pay somebody to do it, you still have to be involved and you still have to have this overreaching theme. Like if you don't want to run a business, don't run a business. And, you know, this podcast is all about defining your own idea of success. And so that's completely okay. Just understand what you actually want to accomplish and what you don't. Um, one thing I want to ask you, speaking of either working for somebody or owning your own business, um, I am sure that you encounter people in both of those scenarios who are not tracking their time, not planning their time and are wasting very valuable time that they could use to balance. What is the biggest piece of advice that you have for somebody who is still in a nine to five situation, but feels like they're leaving so much time on the table? What's the biggest oh. advice you have for them? Oh, that one's so hard because I have so many things. So <laughs> let me, I guess I'll focus on this piece of it. So if it's someone who is working for someone else um, and maybe they're starting to feel fatigued and burnt out and they just feel like they're in the rat race and they can't, um, the important thing to know is that how you spend each day is how you spend your life. And so you have to decide if your life is worth more than your paycheck is piece number one. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go with more than one. Because no, the, I other love piece it. Of, the other piece of that is that if you are a talented employee, if you are an asset to your company, you benefit them more when you protect the asset. So if you take the necessary steps to get yourself in a good position, that is better than if you burn out. It will cost most companies up to 60% of someone's salary to rehire. So let's just say, Amber, you're a struggle bus, you work for someone else, it, and you just go in one day, you're like, I can't, or like you have health issues that come from being burnt out and, and overworked. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do more damage to that company for you to fizzle out and for them to replace you than it will for you to just say, I'm having a hard time. And for the next two weeks, I'm going to work 40 hours a week. Or, hey, I started working with this time management coach and this is what she's told me to do. So, so I guess to condense that is number one is your life is worth more than any job out there. Your days are worth more than anything. And at the end of the day, there is benefit to you being the best version of yourself. That is worth more to your company than you being a very bad version of yourself. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. And I mean, I know that there are entrepreneurs out there that need to hear that as well, but we face a whole different set of challenges as entrepreneurs than we do as a nine to five. However, I do think that there are challenges that a workaholic nine to five and an entrepreneur share in qualities. And that is that we put so much into our business, whether it's ours or someone else's, and we forget about our self-care until we crash and something like your story makes us think about those things. Yes. And I mean, the, the, there's so much we can talk about for the entrepreneurs as well. You know, if, if I can give a short nugget for that population at the end of the day, most people start a business for one of two reasons, either because they want to work in that business forever and it's a passion or they want to grow it and sell it. Now I'm in that first camp. I obviously, as we already discussed, started a business passion. So what I think is important is considering the long game. You know, 
what it's not, and I hate to sound like a Pinterest quote, but it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And so in your entrepreneurial pursuit, like there's always going to be something to do. There's always going to be um, someone to call a project to do a fire to put out. So know that and just think about valuing the traction that you make each day and, and celebrating that success knowing that you will never as an entrepreneur get to the end of your to-do list and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's so important because this is one of the things that I struggled with so much when I first started calendaring. And I'm the type of person, and I know there's a ton of them out there that gets overwhelmed and I shut down. And so what would happen is I would try to figure this out and I would think I got to fit my 125 per um, thing task list in my calendar today. And if I don't, then it's not worth it. And then I wouldn't get anything done. And then I was rewriting the same tasks every single day and I completely shut down and I had to step back and say, dude, you can only do so much. Like you're never going to be done. Can I tell you a tip to help you personally? Absolutely. So a lot of people fall in that bucket and a lot of people struggle with that. And past me was one of them. And one of the things that future me has learned that helps other people is a simple fact of changing and adjusting your expectations. It's a concept called reframing. And so science has shown us that the average person is not going to get 25, 30,000 things done in a day. We're going to get three to five on a bad day and five to seven on a good day. So what I try to encourage people is just take your top three focus on those. When you accomplish those three, you're going to be like, yes, I'm a rock star. And then you're going to get more done versus if you put 20 things on there and you only accomplish three, and then you feel like a failure. That's part of, part of, I guess, what I'm running around preaching about is we get to choose how we feel each day. And that can come from something as simple as putting three things on your to-do list. That's super powerful. The idea that we get to choose how we fill each day is something that I know the people listening to this will resonate with from a mindset um, standpoint. And I'm a huge mindset person and I've never actually thought about that in the idea of time, time blocking and scheduling is that, you know, I get to decide, which is crazy that I'm saying this right now because I run a podcast on defining your own idea of success, but I get to decide at the end of the day whether my day is successful or not. I get to decide whether I accomplished everything. So guys, it's not just your life. You get to define your success in every single day. Yes. I love and, it. And whether you work for someone else or you work for yourself, the reality is you choose what you do each day. You choose if you get out of bed, take a shower, drive to work, or you choose if you get out of bed and and do the grind for your business or you choose if you don't get out of bed, you know, at the reality, like nothing's, nothing's really forced on us. It's just the actions that we feel really driven to take. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that really resonated with me is when you were talking about feeling like you wanted to find the perfect planner and you couldn't, and I've gone through this so much where something's missing from here and something's missing from here and you just wish you could put it together. And I know this is where your products came in that you were talking about in the beginning. What was the biggest thing that you felt like was missing that is in your planner that you added that you think is the most helpful? So the funny answer to that question is not what I added. It's what I took away. Oh. So my biggest struggle with time management tools on the market 
was that they were so busy. And I was in a state of just sheer overwhelm. I was so overstimulated. I was so burnt out. I was so frazzled that the, the idea of having a planner that not only managed my 9,000 commitments for the day, but also was like, what are your three verses? What are your three <laughs> motivations? Have you had water today? Check the cups you've drank. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, is my shirt on the right way? And like, that was just too much. And so frankly, I just wanted a planner that was more simple, was sort of the starting point. And the other things that kind of came out of it was I didn't want to carry two books. And I was like, why is it impossible for me to find a month view calendar, which I, I can go on a whole rant about why month view calendar became my planning tool. Um, why can't I find a month view calendar and a notebook in one? was impossible. And then on top of it, the sort of final straw for me was that all the planners were bedazzled with unicorns and swirlies. And I was like, listen, I'm a female in a male driven world. And it's enough for me to come in with like makeup on and try to be taken seriously. So the last thing I need, and don't get me wrong, I love pink and glitter, but I was like, I don't need that in this scenario. And so I wanted planners that were gender neutral, not just for women, um, but also because men need planning tools as well. And planners are really focused on women. And there's a lot of men who are missing out on their best life because no one's talking to them. Yeah. You are speaking my language right now. Cause I feel like these are the same problems that I have gone through. And I finally, um, I, I switched to a tablet situation, but I still use like, a a PDF download, which I don't know. Do you have that? I should probably ask you that now. Have you switched to a tablet version yet for individuals where they can download a PDF version for tablet? Oh, I do have, I do have some, um, downloads available. So the, there's two tools that make up my system, the origami day system. And one is the planner, which is a 14 month undated calendar and a notebook in one. And so that intention is you can start any time of the year. If you, you know, you don't, one of my struggles was like, June, I would be like, this planner doesn't work for me, but I wouldn't want to buy another one because I'm halfway through. And then the one I would buy was halfway through. So I like the idea of it being undated. So right now, Amber, if you're like, I really need to make a life change in April, you can go buy a planner and today is your first day. And I think that's really important. Um, but the other piece is actually a weekly planning sheet. And that is something that's available for a free download at the website because I want people to be able to grab it and get started. Um, and I'm big on the tangible planners. The biggest reason that I like paper planning tools, there's a lot of reasons, but the biggest is it's more, it's more lined up with the reality of our time. Our time is finite. And so a box on a, on a planner is only so big. A piece of paper is only so big, which is much more connected to the reality of our days. We only have 24 hours in each day, 168 in each week. And so a digital calendar will let you plan to infinity, but, but you can't execute that. And so I think that's a way we set ourselves up for failure when we plan digitally instead of on paper. Now I am pro tech, you know, I believe in digital reinforcement and there's, that's like something I train people on, but I think paper has such value for boundaries and setting ourselves up for success. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, because I will say that I use a, um, I use a quasi system now and, and this planning thing for me is so new. Um, that, you know, I use the, a paper formatted day planner, but like exactly what you just said, I cross out half the crap on that page because I'm like, I can't <laughs> look at you right now. Like I don't need to know my affirmations. I don't need to know any of this. I have a journaling process that I do that's separately me alone. Um, yeah. 
And then I, you know, I actually handwrite everything. And I have found to kind of validate your point that when I take the time to handwrite out my schedule, instead of just having like a Google calendar where everything's automatically put in, that you are reminded of how much you have to do or don't have to do or where you can put things in. And I do find that so much more helpful. And this is coming from, for those of you who are listening, this is coming from the person who said she would never use a handwritten planner. So just take that for yourself. <laughs> well, and you know, you're, I definitely am feeling a lot of similarities between the two of us. And one of them is like, we've got to trick ourselves. And that was one of the things that I ultimately had to do was um, I had to make the, the boxes in which I could commit myself each day smaller and smaller because there was no other way I was going to stop over committing myself. And so I love when people see the Oregon Day Planner and they're like, oh, these boxes are too small for me. And I'm like, you know what? You're the person who needs this planner. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So you mentioned before that you could go on a whole rant on why you need a month long planner. And I may regret this decision later, but I would really love <laughs> to know where that comes from and why you need a month long planner. Yeah. So I just touched on the biggest piece of it, which is that in a month view calendar, your boxes for each day are smaller. And so it reduces the likelihood of you overbooking because if you have, you know, a one by one square and you can only fit four things in next Friday, then that's good because between now and next Friday, 900 other things are going to come up. And so you're going to be thankful that you were forced to build in that buffer time. And so that's sort of one of the biggest reasons that I advocate for month view calendars is because you sort of force yourself to, to have those boundaries and build in buffer time. And the other piece of that too is um, when we look in a month view format, I think it creates a little bit more, um, proximity to the passing nature of our time because it's only a few page slips away that fall will be here and I think sometimes where we fail as a society is we we think about time as a concept um, later one day you know sometime instead of a, the measuring unit that it is time is a measuring unit and so when we kind of hold on to that and we we real with the reality and just think about it um, as days that pass and hours that pass and months that pass, it helps us to think to value it more than we think about it as this broad, just sort of ominous idea. Does that make sense? It does. And I like it a lot. So I am asking a ton of questions that I know I would have asked if we had this conversation, because I'm sure there are a ton of people like you and I out there that are going to get so much value from this. And so one of the things that I think people struggle with is the idea of feeling like if they write it in a planner, it's not flexible. So how do you deal with those days that shit just goes wrong and like yes. nothing is happening and you feel like a failure at the end of the day because you didn't get anything on your task list done? How do you, how do you adjust to that? And what are the tips that you give your clients? Yeah. So that's one of the hardest things. And that takes sort of like a multi-step approach. I guess step one is just the, the reality of plans is that they are likely to change. And I believe that God made erasers for a reason. <laughs> and so, you know, just knowing that ahead of time, and I kind of already hinted at buffer time, but one of the best things we can do is plan for change. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we know 
things are going to change. We know things are going to go sideways. So for example, one of my corporate clients that I worked with actually, um, they are in an industry where they just, they have a lot of change. There's not much they can do about it. And so their people were just getting really burnt out. And so what we talked about was instead of planning eight hours worth of your eight hour work day, um, what if you just plan six hours of your eight hour work day and every day you plan two hours for shit to go to the pooper. And honestly, that helps them tremendously. And so that's sort of part of what I would tell these people who feel like they're chronically um, struggling with the change is if your life is consistently bringing you change, then you need to adjust your plan to include change. Yes, that's so important. Um, take that time to know that there are days that things might go wrong. And I think that buffer time is so valuable. Um, you talked about it a little bit earlier about trying to do three or five or, or whatever, starting small tasks in a day. And I know that that really helped me as well because I'm the type of person that gets really overwhelmed when I think that... Um, I'm going to work my entire life away because I've been there. Right. And so when I see my entire day completely, um, stacking up with stuff, I shut down. If I, if I make myself think, okay, work for an hour and a half, get these tasks done and then take a break and then work for an hour and a half, get these tasks done and take a break. That works so much better for me than feeling like I have 97 tasks to do today and I'm going to start at 6am and I'm not going to go to bed till midnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we need, we need successes to keep going. That's why, that's another reason I advocate for paper. Not only do we remember more when we write it down, but we actually accomplish more when we cross something off and we have an endorphin release. It helps us to feel like we're doing well. So I tell people, if your daily plan just says like, go to the dentist, open your mouth, and that's all you do, you still get to cross that off and you should celebrate that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So as far as clients are concerned, do you work mainly with corporations or do you work with individuals when it comes to time management? Both actually. And I'm really, I really want to continue to work with both. There's not one section that I think is more important. Um, one, because I think some individuals don't have the company behind them. They don't have the support that they need from their employer to pursue work-life balance. And they feel that it's an individual um, mission. And so I want to be there for those individuals who feel lost and that they need, they need something like this. Um, but I also really know that it's important to keep working with the companies because we spend the majority of our time each day at work. And at the end of the day, burnout and work-life balance is not really an individual problem. It's a company problem. It's a culture problem. And if you are a company that values your employees' time, then they are going to stay with you and they will produce more. And so I think at the end of the day, with my ambitious goal of sparking a very important and needed culture shift, the companies have to be on board. And thankfully, a lot of them have been so far and continue to be on board because they see the importance of valuing their employees as an individual, not just another um, cog in the system. Yeah, absolutely. And I was actually just going to say that. So I'm glad that you said that they're on board because we hear people talk about like the corporate um, jobs that they work for and how, you know, they're so just go, go, go. Um, and they don't feel like they care about them as an individual. And I think what I've found is that the majority of that isn't that they don't care. It's that they're not educated on what they actually need to be caring about. And so I'm sure that when you go in and talk to them about these issues related to time management, that you're finding a lot of them saying, oh my gosh, I never realized that that was actually a concern that some of my employees might be dealing with. 
Yes, absolutely. I think you're exactly right. And then the other piece to that that's even crazier is sometimes the employers aren't even the ones who are pushing it. The employees are living out this self, self-induced uh, frazzledness, you know, and that part of what I love is when the employees bring me in or the employers bring me in is it's this way of them giving their employees permission to, to live better. And I think sometimes that's all it takes. It doesn't even matter what I say to them. I mean, of course, I love to give them really applicable uh, nuggets, but but just simply the fact that the employers bring me in is a sign to the employees that says, hey, we care about you. And like, we, we don't need you to stress and burn out. And that, that alleviates a ton of self-induced pressure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to switch this conversation just a little bit, especially since we're on this topic right now. Um, What is your individual definition of success now? And how has that changed for you since your workaholic um, nine to five life? Yeah. And I love that question. And I, I would love to, I kind of want to go back and listen to now every single one of your episodes to hear every (laughs) single person's definition of success. Um, I mean, I'm not going to stop you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I haven't covered all of them yet, but now I'm going to, um, I really think it's an evolution and I'm so thankful that it's an evolution because what I say today is different than what I would have said yesterday and tomorrow may be a whole different answer. And I, I kind of like that because, um, I guess because we're made to change, we're made to grow. And, and part of, I guess, my version of success is, is continually growing. If I am in a career or a life where I'm just constantly seeking out the best version of myself and I have the freedom to do that, then to me that, that's success. And I think beyond that too, um, what, what present me understands that past me didn't is that success isn't just what, what we were told growing up, I'm using air quotes here, as the American dream, Success is what brings us joy and success is what brings us peace and success is what reduces distress. And so that can be different for everyone. For some people working hard, if it makes you truly happy and you feel balanced and comfortable, let that be your success. For me, I I want to still pursue a career that I care about. And I'll never be someone who doesn't work because I'm just an ambitious person. But part of success for me is filling in the other areas of my life and finding meaning and purpose in a peaceful way. I like that answer so much. And um, I think you're 100% right. There's nothing wrong. Like when you were back in, we've said workaholic a couple of times. And I think that when I have said that, I've probably said it with um, an undesirable connotation. Um, but if that's the life that you want, and if that's how you define success, then that's absolutely okay. Just own that and understand that and pay attention to what you're giving up in order to live that life and make sure you're okay with it. Yes. So spot on. Yes, you're right. Um, so one of the other things that I found in doing this, um, podcast, and it was probably about halfway through the episodes that I've done so far that I realized that this idea of the relationship between success and fulfillment is something that people don't explore enough. And so I would ask people, what's your definition of success? And I would start getting answers related to fulfillment. Um, for you is success and fulfillment, um, like a chicken and the egg situation or are they unrelated? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't know that I've ever thought about that. I think in some ways though, now, like this version of me would believe that they're, they're very much, I think, 
a chicken and the egg. But then at the same time, I feel like I couldn't have success without fulfillment. There's a, you know, there's a part of me that feels like where my current feelings of succeeding are coming from are places of being fulfilled, feeling that I am doing what I am set here to do. And so, so maybe there's a part of that, that puts fulfillment first then that until you're feeling fulfilled with your position, your career, your home, your, your calling, your body, like then it's going to be hard to feel successful. Um, you know, I hate to sound too touchy feely, but maybe part of it is like, if you're, you know, we got to build from the inside out. And so, you know, uh, one thing that's really helped me in my journey to find what I would call a successful and fulfilling life is just sort of this spiritual journey. When you, um, when you face your own mortality, there's, um, there's a curtain that's drawn back that, I don't know how else I could have ever seen behind it. And that really changed the way I view everything in life. You know, I can um, 100% agree with you. So I have been helped. I have been lucky enough to be healthy my entire life and have not had the experience that, that you've had. However, I was talking to somebody one day and I said, I just, you know, we were on this topic about success and fulfillment. And I don't know if you've heard of this exercise, but it is painful where he asked me to imagine my funeral and listen to what people were saying about me at my funeral and be honest about what they would say and listen about whether or not I liked those answers. Mm. And if the answer was no, then what do I need to change to make sure that when I'm in that situation, I like what people are saying about me at my funeral. And that idea of facing your own mortality, it makes you really think about the decisions you're making in your life. Yeah. And I think that the part about that mortality, what we, what we get from that experience, whether it's an, an unfortunate, you know, life experience like my surgery or whether it's such a profound conversation like what you had, um, I think part of what we get from that is, and maybe I'm biased, it's the reminder that time is finite that reminder that time is not infinite, that it's not this concept, that it's simply the way we're measuring our lives. And I think that's part of what what really moves a lot of us. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it has to be something that is personally either experienced or thought of, because I know that you mentioned in the beginning that you had um, lost your dad at a young age, as did I. And so you would think that... um, you would think that we would have this idea of how finite time is because of that. And I so much didn't at all. Um, not at all. I actually, so my dad was 43 when he passed away. I'm 37. The closer I get to 43, the more I realize how young my dad was when he yes. died. Because I thought he was ancient when he <laughs> passed away. Like I, so that's, that time is finite is so important. And I totally, oh my gosh, I totally understand what you're saying. So I don't know the exact circumstance with your father, but my father passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And that, like, that was the first time that I think the universe, God, whomever was trying to teach me, hey girl, you need to appreciate today. And then another, like, I've had so many crazy life experiences when I was... 21 years old, I was cliff jumping into a rock quarry and I broke three vertebrae. Like I broke my back 
and that was a crazy experience in itself. And it was kind of one of those, Hey girl, I can, you know, like you are not, you are not invincible. Life is fleeting. You need to value it. And so I, I joke all the time that it was this like third time's a charm. It took <laughs> me getting my chest cut open. I ignored the first two, the first two kicks. And it was that third one that kind of made me finally realize, oh my gosh, I've been doing it wrong. And, and I do think that those experiences, maybe they're intended to, to help us. And it's just a matter of how much we're listening at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I could have this conversation with you forever um, because there's so much value here and there's, there's so much amazing stuff when it comes to time. But this is why I'm so passionate when I talk about trying new things and getting out of your comfort zone and not pushing stuff until tomorrow and like actually forcing yourself to do new things every single day because we all have those situations where we've looked at something and been like, man, I can't wait until I can do that. And if that's your mentality, you may never get it done. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wishing your time away past me was, she was the master of wishing my time away. Like I'd be like, I just need to get to Friday. Things will calm down in October. And, yeah. and then one day I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've been doing because what's wrong with right now? I've got to take in this moment that you and I, people who've never been able to meet face to face, we get to sit here and we get to connect over life experiences that we've had that we can share. And that, you know, in my neck of the woods, the sun is shining and I'm thankful to be healthy now. Like, why would I not have appreciated that exact moment before? Past me was so wrong. You know, so I'm laughing because this goes back to your undated planner. Um, I had this mentality when it came to my health that in order for me to start a diet or exercise plan, I had to start on Monday, but Uh normally by like Monday afternoon, I was out. And so like, then I had to wait until next Monday, right. Um, to start this diet or exercise plan. I'm going to be like, I just wish I could start earlier. And I can remember having conversations with people and saying, I'm going to start on Monday. And they're like, today is Monday. And I'm like, no, next Monday. I already ruined today. And yes. so this idea that you're wishing your time away because things will get better on Monday or things will get better next week. Like, it's insane to me how much we do that without even realizing it. And if it makes you feel better, there's actually science behind the fact that most people want to start something new on on a Monday or the first day of the month. There's there's definitely a lot of science behind the, the actions we take at the start and at the end. So like a lot of people do major bucket list things when they're 29, 39, 49, you know, that's why New Year's is such a thing. So it's not just you, but I wanna counter that and I wanna say right now. Yeah, there's no reason right, yep. right now. And I will say that the most success that I have found in things that I have tried to do have been when I have done them not on Monday, right? So like either intentionally starting on another day of the week so that I break that cycle in my mind or saying, screw it, it's happening today right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned working in sort of a fitness environment Mm -hmm. and one of the best things that, that I discovered in my personal health journey that translated really well to, um, coaching people about their, their physical activity or their nutritional goals is, Every moment is a reset. It's not every day. It's not every week, every moment. So like, for example, food, um, a lot of people struggle sort of the, the food diet piece of it. So instead of saying, I'm going to start today and the whole day is going to be great. If you start and you fail, quote unquote, fail at breakfast. Cool. Well, the next time you eat or drink something, start over. And then 
the next time you eat or drink something, start over. And every single thing that you put in your body is your opportunity to reset. And I think that's kind of the same thing for our days. Every day, if yesterday you maybe didn't crush it on work-life balance or time management, that's okay. Try today. And if today you're like, oh my gosh, it's already the, the afternoon and I haven't really crushed it. Cool. Well, you know what? Give yourself five minutes to wallow in that and then start. Yeah, absolutely. One of the favorite things that I actually have written on my wall in my bathroom because I fall into this so much is um, it's a, a meme and it says today was an awful day. And then underneath it, it says, was it an awful day or was it an awful five minutes that you wallowed in all day? And oh. I was like, oh yeah, that's a little powerful, but I need a reminder of that. Yes. Memes are so good for us. I know. At the end they of the are. day. I know they are. They're not so good in the middle of the day when I get caught in the Facebook entrepreneurial witness protection program, but <laughs> um, they are good at the end of the day. All right. So um, I really enjoyed this conversation and I am so excited to let people know where they can reach out and find you um, because I know that we were talking before that you have some free resources, some Facebook lives, some some things that um, people can use to get their time management under control. Um, where can they connect with you and where can they learn more about what you have to offer? Yeah, there's there's two places that are really easy. Those sort of give you all the info. One is the website, origamiday.com. And that everything should be available there. The other place that people might be more comfortable with is the old social media. And on all the channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, all of that is simply my origami day. And so there's, there's links out to everything else from the Instagram page and events are on Facebook. So one of those two will, will get you what you need to know. Perfect. Well, before we go, I would love to wrap up by letting everybody get to know you really quickly with a quick random round. Are you okay with that? Yeah. All right. Other than what you're currently doing, what profession do you think it would be fun to attempt? You're going to love this. I wish I was a judge. And when I did my course that kind of told me about what I should do, things that came up was that I should be an attorney or a judge. I love it. I love it. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? And I don't think I have ever asked this question to somebody that it's more relevant to than you in your time management. So if you could time travel, where would you go and yeah. why? I don't know if there's rules, but I would want to go to the future, but not like far in the future. I would want to go like, I don't know, 60, 70 years on the road to like what would still be my lifetime. I don't necessarily want to see me and where my life is, whether I'm still here or not, but I would just want to see what the world looks like. So I could kind of prepare myself for it. Does that sound weird? Maybe that's an ultimate planner. I'd I like know, to go to the end of my say. life so I can prepare. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say that is a true planner for you right there. Yeah. Um, what personality trait or skill or quality has been most helpful to you in your life? You know, ooh, that's, that's hard. I feel like I've been very blessed and uh, God has given me everything I need. Um, and maybe I'm going to say moving all the time as a child. I got a lot of adaptability early on. And so I think that's been a good counter to my strong desire to plan for everything. I like it. Um, books. Do you like reading physical books, holding them, or do you listen to audiobooks? I do both. Okay. Simultaneously um, or individually? So I have books that I have in my audio queue that I'm always listening to, but then I always have at least one book physically that I'm reading. And I'm that person who is 
in the middle of probably two books at once, sometimes three, but, I, but like, I like to have my professional development books, audio first thing in the morning. I like to have my strictly entertainment books at the end of the day. And so, and then the ones I physically read, they've just got to be really good for me to be willing to sit down and hold them. I definitely lean towards audio, but I, oh. I like it. And I never thought that I would have to ask somebody whether they read and listen simultaneously, but I did have somebody tell me that he listens to the audiobook while he reads the physical book. And I was like, okay. I feel like I have an overstimulation attack. That <laughs> would be too right? much. But I mean, I did just acknowledge that I read three books at the same time, which is probably crazy too. <laughs> no, I feel like you need your brain to switch gears a little bit. Like I get, exactly. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, what gift have you rec- or what book have you recommended to people the most? Essentialism by Greg McEwen, hands down. One of the best books ever. Perfect. And I'm a music nerd, so I always have to throw this in there. What song motivates you right now? I just was listening to it before we got on here. I wondered if you heard it. So sometimes I'm really struggling with sitting in front of my computer a lot lately. And so I really, every day, at least once a day, I pull up Taylor Swift, shake it off. And I have a dance. Yes. And like that really happens. (laughs) So I don't know whether I have just not been paying attention or whether your cat has not been there the entire time, but I am (laughs) in love with your cat right now. Yeah. So he's, he's a good one. This is Spider-Man. He uh, was sitting on my lap for a while and then just casually moved over to the window seat. He likes to hang there and you know, I just let him. (laughs) Yeah. He's adorable. Kind of still in the show right now. Yeah. Um, All right. So lastly, do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? Mm, I do normally. And every once in a while things, you know, plans change. But for the most part, what I like to do is I try to, I I listen to my audio books almost as soon as I wake up and it gives my brain something to chew on while I'm doing my habit formed activities, like, you know, taking a shower, getting ready for the day. Um, I try to do some version of gratitude every morning and I almost always do a devotional before I start my day. I just like to do things that sort of get me set for success. Um, and so those are the most consistent ones. I also, um, hug and kiss my dogs pretty much before I start. And I always drink coffee, (laughs) coffee and dogs. Yes. I can totally get behind that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I think you've given so much value. Um, before we go one more time, where's the best place for people to find you? Either origamiday.com or my origami day on social media. And I so appreciate the time that you've spent with me. I really enjoyed it. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.